0: The Show! You know what time it is, don't you? That's right. It's Drinky Fun Time, where we drink booze with some of the most interesting people at the coolest places around. So grab a drink,
1: chill out, and enjoy the show.
0: Yes, 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 welcome Drinky Fun Time. As our man Mike Friedman said in the intro, the coolest people and the coolest places, and I think today qualifies. We are uh, we are at Tales of the Cocktail, giant Bacchanalian festival of, of adult beverages that takes place every July in New Orleans because who doesn't want to be in New Orleans in July? <laughs> Emma Patterson, I know you want to be here, right? Is there anything, I would say the only thing more oppressive than the heat right now is the shower pressure in the hotel we're staying at, it's taking my <laughs> skin off. Like, we were both... Got, like, I put on I dread taking a shower. It's it's like taking a shower is like somebody going, hey, you want to go a few rounds with uh, Mike Tyson? I'm like, all right, well, here we go. And I turn it on and it, it are, it's physically painful to take the shower.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think you can tell from my laughter that you're so right. <laughs> so it's, pa- it's difficult to describe and yeah. yet so grateful for that shower, trust me, because... You're right. exfoliating.
0: Oh, that's yeah. for sure. We're all exfoliating. I'm like... Uh, And and the thing, this is the thing, it's a lovely, wonderful, marvelous place in New Orleans. But at this time of year, it certainly presents challenges. Like when you walk, it's hard to, unless you've actually felt it, to describe just how much of a mugging it feels like. When you're walking down the street and you're like, where? How is it not poor? It feels so wet and sticky. And the, the word, I hate this word, but this is the word for New Orleans. Moist. <laughs> you're always quite moist in it's, New Orleans.
2: Your shirts, while well, your clothes start to feel like wet newspaper just stuck to your body. Oh, no, it's ba- and,
0: and you know what? It's like you're sweating so much. Like, I've been at events down here, and we, we've been going to a lot of co- – like, there's a lot of events and really r- informative stuff. And, but what I've also realized as I'm doing it is, Jesus, I've been drinking – I've been drinking cocktails for hours, and I haven't gone to the bathroom. Mm-mm. And I think it's just because I'm sweating it all out. I'm sweating yeah. all of the fluid out of myself. So, anyway –
2: that but all fortunately, not right now, because we're in this gorgeous um, restaurant, the Seaworthy.
0: At the Ace Hotel, right? Yes. It's the Ace, it's a very hip, hip place to be uh, anywhere. They're all over the world, but here in New Orleans especially. And Also coming up on the show in just a very, very brief time. I, I don't know if they'll get any hipper than this <laughs> cat. Uh, <laughs> I've known him a long time. He used to run, uh, and maybe he still does, While will to ask him, uh, Jones, which is an iconic bar. In Hollywood, uh, or I guess that's still it's West Hollywood, yeah, on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, a bar restaurant. But all of the thing about those, the Jones is all above, surrounding the whole bar, all old bottles of Jack Daniels. Entire, it's, a, it's artwork. It's basically, and that rings the bar, all of those Jack Daniels bottles. And then lo and behold, the man who runs that bar becomes the national. Brand and bet, and they're coming for him. Uh, (laughs) Let's switch that. Today on the show, producer Bo fills in. No, um, his name is Eric Tikoski. He goes by ET. And uh, do you want to just bring him on right now? Yeah. He, He seems so anxious. Again, the national. Brand ambassador for, uh, it. maybe some people think is the national brand of America, right? You don't go anywhere in the world and go, Jack Daniels. People go, Jack Daniels, they associate it with America and in a good way. And we need that, right? We need more ETs representing the stuff that's good about America. Eric Tikoski, welcome to Drinky Fun
2: Time. Welcome.
1: Thank you, thank you.
0: How are you, man?
1: I'm doing good, with you, man. Good nice to you see you.
0: On. Good to see you looking stylish, as always. You got your... Uh, jack wear on your your biker boots is this do you dress like this all the time though you, this was pre jack daniels but you look like a jack daniels guy
1: yeah this was uh this was it before jack yeah. during jack after jack
0: how did it how did it, how did you wind up working with jack daniels
1: um super lucky yeah. uh, um so jones uh where i was you know we had a really good relationship with all the jack people they would come in to see that Aforementioned uh wall of Jack Daniels and I got to know him and they knew I loved Jack Daniels and um one day someone's like, Hey, we're doing this dinner, we need someone to host it. Can you come do that? And I did and like, Oh wow, that was cool. Can you do this? And then can you do this? And before you know it, here I am. Here you are. Yeah.
0: did do you get to go down there very often down to Lynchburg?
1: Yeah, man. It was uh I went once before uh I ever worked for Jack. My Mother is famous for basically like throwing a dart at the map of the U.S. and saying, Let's go meet there because okay. they're in Philly and I'm in LA. So, you know, we want to get together every once in a while. And one trip was Nashville. And the last day we were there trying to figure out what to do, I'm at the hotel and I see a brochure for the Jack Daniels distillery. I said to the front desk, I'm like, How far is the distillery? This is 20 years ago. And, and she's like, I don't know, hour, hour and 15. I'm like, That's what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, it's like a pilgrimage, you know, sure. to get down there. and And to see these people, you know, before I even worked there, the passion they have for what they do, it's crazy. And then when I finally got to go there as an employee, it's just, you know, you get to see a little bit more and a little bit more. And I got to be honest, when I first um, visited as an employee, I felt such a fraud. You know, it's like there's this men and women there that make Jack Daniels. That's what they do. They grew up in Lynchburg. Their parents, their uncle, their sister, their brother worked at Jack Daniels. And that's part of the fabric of who they are. And then I'm like, well, "Who am I to be?" That is in, you know? the industry in Lynchburg. Yeah, like
0: if you're not going to meet anybody no. who isn't in some way affiliated no, with that. No, not discovery. at all.
1: Not at all. Yeah. Um, if you, for somehow you don't work there, someone in your family does, and you know it's really intimidating. But it, you know, I started thinking about it. I had to somehow justify in my head how I could say I work for Jack. And it, you know, we would love to bring the whole world to Jack Daniels. It's just impossible. And then yeah. if we can't do that, I would love to bring everyone that makes Jack Daniels to the world, which is also impossible. So there has to be that bridge in between. And so that's how I justify that I can have this job. You know, someone yes. has to leave Lynchburg and tell the world all about it.
2: And go out. Yeah. So when you got there, how, what was the reception for, like, how did they treat you when you arrived? Were you like, like me, it's okay. I'm going to make your life better. Or, <laughs> uh, you know,
1: there, it's, it's pretty hospitable town. You know, it's the South and that Southern charm is real. And it's, it's, uh,
0: it's, it's dry it, too, right? It's a dry county. So you don't county. have to worry about anybody being like shit-faced and being like, I'm going to kill you know. that some bitch from <laughs> L.A. Right? Because they're not drunk. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, look, they might have thought that in their head, but it seemed like yeah. they, they were, you know, happy to see me when I got down there.
2: So how does that work if it's dry? The area, obviously, we're not talking about the weather for once. We're actually talking yeah. about whether you can yeah. drink alcohol. Um, when do you... Drink Jack Daniels there. If
1: you well, you can drink Jack Daniels in your home. You just yeah. There's no liquor stores. If you go to a restaurant, they don't serve alcohol. Right. But um, we do have a bottle shop at the distillery, so you can purchase a bottle. And ah. you can take a tour, and you, know, you can have a dry tour, or you can have a tasting tour.
2: That explains why everyone in the town works there. Right. So how do they get around the law on the tasting tour?
1: You know, that's a very good question. Um, I believe... If I, not misquoting, but I think there was an old law that some winery uncovered that if you produce your own wine in that town, you can sell your wine. And then they said, well, if we produce our own whiskey, can we sell our whiskey? Okay. Because a lot
0: of times they'll do it like they they get, you know, they can do the club the private club yeah. thing so when you're when you're buying the ticket to come in you're actually purchasing a membership to the club and they're not selling you the whiskey they're giving you the whiskey right. as part, yeah and that's yeah. The, there's things they can do like that um that they're so now you you've been coming down here for years in, yeah in new orleans what's your what's your best what's your best tales of the cocktail uh story Did
1: you anything know
0: crazy happen to you while you've been here
1: Look, it's always a little nuts down here. It's yeah. just New Orleans and then you bring thousands of bartenders and bar people and, and you know, brands. It's there's it's never a dull moment, but it's one of the, the thing I love the most about it, because we all live in different cities and you travel and you meet people. The, my favorite part of Tales, forgetting all of the education and all of this, it's just you turn the corner and there's some guy you haven't seen in three years, like, yeah. Oh wow, that's my buddy I met years ago bartending and he moved to Atlanta and here we are. You know, it's, it's and like, that you know, to me is the most fun. You know, there's always the crazy, but, you know, I think that's just inherent in this town as well. But sure. just the, the social aspect, which is really what bars are all about, right? You go and you meet people and, and you share a moment. And at Tails, you're sharing moments every two seconds. You yeah. know, sometimes you're like, hey, I'm just going to run out and get a cup of coffee. And it takes you three hours because you're running into 40 people. In so people.
0: We had the thing yesterday. We we mentioned this before he came on the air. Uh, we lost a guy in the bar community named John Lemaire, uh who was a, I mean, you know, if you to try to put it in the context of say the cooking world, everybody knows the cooking stars. It'd be like losing a you know a Thomas Keller or something like he's right. he was that level in in this community, very well respected, fun, great, amazing guy, and uh, he passed away what just over a month ago. You know, yeah, and, and what they did yesterday here was it's called the second line and you've probably seen them on tv where they have these funerals that go through the french quarter or various neighborhoods here in this case we're up by frenchman street and everybody gets in line and they got a band in the front playing some playing the horns and banging the drums and and it just they march through the street and first of all but really like me, I you know, now I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. It's like the fact that this guy, first of all, the fact that six weeks ago John was still here and now he's gone. But if he could have looked down and saw how many people were there, there had to be a thousand people, right? Yeah. All, from every corner of the bar community, not not just in America, but from all over the world, that all came together. And at the end, we wound up at this corner, and there's a bar there, and 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 by the way, the band's playing in the middle of the intersection. And there's cars that get stuck. You know, they didn't realize it. And everybody just sits there really respectfully. Nobody's honking their horns. Get the hell out of the way. It, there's this, this sense of, uh, of, of family and respect for the dead down here. And to see that happen with John and to have the, all of these bartenders turn out, I think, was really the highlight for me of this year's Tales of the Cocktail.
1: Yeah, you know, it's the, the second line. It's, it's becomes a celebration. Right instead of um everything you know it's 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 a terrible thing to lose someone that you love and and have to work through that, but having that ability to to kind of celebrate someone's life in the streets with with music and and you know everyone could have a bow on or mask or waving hankies around and really just having this experience together is really you know can be cathartic, you yeah. know and they do it for both they do it for funerals, they do it for weddings, they do it for celebrations, so it's just one of these unique new orleans things that you can't get anywhere else and you know i think you know i've been coming down here for years and years and years and for jazz fest i meet guys i grew up with in philly and this is like our yearly trip and tales and and all these different things and i always tell people new orleans is the most unique city in the u.s and events like that and moments like that are really what separate it from you can't do this anywhere
2: yeah i'm quite curious because obviously i'm not in the bartending or booze industry that you you guys are in. So how did that all come about? I mean, was it a Facebook thing? Because everybody there felt like family. Even I knew five or six people. And producer Bo even knew a bartender from New Zealand that you met like 20 years before. It It was incredible. And like I say, it's like, a huge family turning out Um, how do you guys all keep in touch because it doesn't seem to be any rivalry in this industry it's very much like you do that and you work for those people and I work for these people and let's just all support one another Right. Is is social media a thing where you the bartending community all get touch?
0: I think on social media is where they tend to shit on each other. No, I'm kidding. There's some no, there's some lively Tell debates me. on Facebook, but I think in terms of, you know, how that thing comes about yesterday word just spreads, you know, it's like hey, we're all going to be here, we're all doing this and uh, and you know, and we even said before we went, I bet you that Jacob, that's who uh, producer Beau was looking at me and I said I bet you'll be there. Because you just know, you know, like the key events, everybody's going to show up. They're all going to hear
1: about it. I think that's another reason why New Orleans is such a good town for probably not just Tales of the Cocktail, but all kinds of conventions and trade shows. It's a walking city. So it's not like it's like L.A. is difficult, right? So you were in Santa Monica and let's say the events, you know, in, in Pasadena, that's a... You got to really figure you're out not your day. Go. The you're first not thought, <laughs> you first thought, you
0: have to have that is: what time is it? Right. Start. Yeah, six o'clock? Uh, no, yeah, I'm not, not gonna, going, not making it. Not but making
1: here, it. you know, not only is everything so close, but you're going to run into 100 people that day. They're going to say, "Hey, you're going to this, you're going to this, you're going to this," and you'll just find out. And social media, I'm sure, helps. Yeah. I'm not great at that, but um, you know, it's it is a tight community, and I think events like Tails really bring that tightness together. Mm-hmm. And it's it's. Super, I've been to a lot of other cocktail weeks and yeah. things like that, and they all have great things about them. But Tails has a specialness that I don't think you can duplicate because of the city. It's,
0: it's got to be, and it's a right fit for, especially for Jack Daniels, right? Like Jack Daniels just has that feeling of sort of no bullshit, down and dirty, but warm and, and you know, in- inviting uh, that you get down here in the, in the South, uh, some parts of the South. Um, there's some parts of the South. I can't go. Uh, <laughs> legally forbidden for going. Um, but, uh, Jack, uh, Tails feels in particular like the right place for a Jack. Like, you guys did an event the other night, and, and Emma and I and producer Bo went, and uh, it was a, a dinner. Sinatra Supper Club. Sinatra Summer Club. Supper. And it just felt good. If it, it was a, just a cool event, and that brand... You know, there's people, uh, obviously, as the craft cocktail community has de- evolved... You get this, right? Where they'll look down on some of the, you know, the icon, like the Jim yeah, Beams. Biggest bed. The biggest, the Bacardi's. Why would you drink Bacardi when you could be drinking Don Free Fuckies fuck fuckstick rum that no one's <laughs> ever heard of, right? Because well, it's the coolest. But Jack.
2: But this th- this event that we went to the other night, which was really special, and maybe this happens a lot at Tales of the Cocktail, um, I said to ET before we started, you know, it felt a bit like going to a wedding. And uh, everybody there had, in some fashion, worked with Jack Daniels, who either a bartender like yourself, Dave, oh, Dave, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave, or oh, Dan. This has happened. Next. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in
1: the new co host. Emma is partying on.
2: New Orleans! Oh, that's really tickled me.
1: (laughs) It's never been Dave.
2: Anyway, Dave. It was good, wasn't it, Dave? Um, No, it was was a fantastic (laughs) event. It was a a lovely, lovely Frank Sinatra inspired Italian dinner, uh, curated by yourself, uh, Eric, and you. uh, That is your name, right? A few. And um, I just, I really was so touched by it because it felt like I felt very, very. just grateful to be there but also was, that you had She was drunk and too yeah, no, no, I wasn't but the ladies <laughs> that the, the five I think the five bartenders that were five were all women they were all sat actually at our table and they each individually got up and made their own cocktails all went out I assumed to, to help one another make their cocktails and then came in introduced the cocktail to us explained the inspiration behind it um, and they were all so different and so delicious and honestly I couldn't choose my favourite and I just learned so much, but not only about Jack Daniels and cocktails, but about Frank Sinatra. Yeah. It was really, really wonderful. And so can you please tell us, for the sake of the listener who was not there, unfortunately, what, why did you go with Frank? What was the idea there?
1: You know, it, it was more of, of why did Frank go with Jack? Oh, right? okay. and, and how did he come about with, you know, the, the whiskey? And it really started um, in the late 40s. Jack... You know, surprisingly, was a small brand at some point and not available all over the world. And at that time, Sinatra was—you know—Sinatra. He was a big star, and he was having this tumultuous relationship with Ava Gardner. And this was in—you uh, know—ups and downs. And he was in the down point, and he was with uh, Jackie Gleason, who's one of my favorite comedian actors. And Sinatra was basically crying to his ear about Ava Gardner, and Jackie Gleason's like. God, this guy's not going to shut up about this girl. So he's like, hey, Frank, let's drink some whiskey. And Sinatra's like, I like whiskey. And he said, you ever had Jack Daniels? He goes, never tried it, never heard of it. So Jackie Gleason orders a bottle of Jack Daniels. They crack it. And basically, from the moment it touched Frank Sinatra's lips, he fell in love with the whiskey and was rarely seen on stage without a glass of Jack on the rocks. And he would proclaim to his audience, it was the nectar of the gods. And Sinatra was a very, you know, Cool, hip, influential guy, probably one of the most influential entertainers of our time. So people heard him say Jack Daniels and wanted to try it themselves. And between Sinatra and this article that came out about the distillery in Fortune magazine, you know, the year after he discovered Jack Daniels, our sales doubled. And what's crazy is from the 1950s to the late 70s, Jack Daniels, old number seven, black label whiskey was on allocation. So, couldn't get it. Yeah, Yeah, you couldn't get it. So, like, if you're a bar, you go into a liquor store and, like, hey, you got a bottle of Jack? Like, uh, we couldn't order any this week. The distillery doesn't have any more. Wow. They're out. So, when you think about that, you know, when you were mentioning earlier, you know, big brands don't get a lot of the love sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfair in a way. I get it. You know, new is everyone's favorite flavor, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you do things the right way over and over again for years and years, there's a reason Jack's still here. You know, oh, and the yeah. reason Sinatra fell in love with it. And, you know, Sinatra himself, it's a really funny story um, touching in a way as well. The, you know, I don't know what page six was back in Sinatra's day, but at some point our very first sales guy, Angelo Lucchese, I, I didn't get to meet him. I almost got to meet him before he passed, but there's tons of video online of this guy. He's the sweetest, most endearing person you'll ever meet or see in your life. And he reads in whatever gossip column that Sinatra was at um, a club in New York City, and they didn't have or they were out of Jack Daniel, and he was not happy. So Angelo sends his hotel a case of Jack for Sinatra and says, you know, Mr. Sinatra, we're so sorry that you had that experience where you couldn't get... Jack Daniels, please take this as hopefully it helps ease the pain. Here's my number. If you ever need anything, please call. And two weeks later, his phone rings, and he picks up the phone. And he's like, hey, is Angelo there? He goes, oh, this is Angelo. He's like, you know who this is? He's like, Frank Sinatra? <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you got it. And he's basically like, hey, kid. You got it, Daniel, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. You know, he's like, what you did for me, I'll never forget. He's like, you know, you didn't have to do that. And it touched me, and it meant a lot to me. And that was a really cool thing. And he's like, please take these numbers down. It was his Palm Springs house, his Beverly Hills house. And like, if you ever need anything, you call me. And, you know, that started this friendship between Angelo Lucchese and Frank Sinatra that went on until the day Frank Sinatra left this earth. And Angelo was a pallbearer at Frank's funeral. Oh,
0: my God. That's amazing.
1: And, you know, Frank loved Jack so much, he was laid to rest with a bottle of Jack Daniels.
0: Oh, unbelievable! Uh, and and you know and there's also been I mean I'm thinking off the top of my head a lot of iconic. I can't think of any other uh, liquor brand that has had some. There's the iconic photos of Keith Richards, right. you know Keith getting off the plane with a bottle of ja- and obviously the Janis Joplin photo, which is very famous with her with Jack Daniels.
1: Got uh, Jimmy Page, Jimmy you got pa- Barbara Plant, you have Slash, you have um, oh Slash would always have a right. Jack Dan- Daniels bottle. Tom Petty, there, every I mean you know our uh, we have a Jack Daniels historian guy's amazing i I, every time i go to nashville that's where his office is i i beg to get time with him um and he's awesome and the way he likes to say it is you know when a screenwriter has a block and he wants to he wants to um make one of his characters have that certain vibe that certain um you know uh strut that certain um, kind of like embody some type of i'm that guy they put a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand. That's right. Yeah. And that, you don't have to write anything, you don't have to say anything, guy's holding a bottle of Jack, he's that guy. You know, exactly. you're a, a woman that drinks Jack, you're someone to be reckoned with, you know what I mean? So, it's uh, it's just a cool thing that I, I don't really know, you know, part of it is, started with Sinatra, and then it just kind of evolved into this rock and roll thing, and now it's country, and now it's hip hop, it's it's kind of, Jack fits in all these different worlds, and it speaks to people on a level, you know, look, i I don't work in Jack marketing, but in my, like, you know, I don't think of Jack Daniels as a brand of whiskey as much as I think of Jack Daniels as a lifestyle. Sure. You know, it, it, it had, the whiskey has to be good, right? Like, for me, my story with Jack Daniel whiskey was, you know, my father was a Sinatra fan, and he, he basically bred me on Sinatra. You know, he told me about Sinatra every time we got in his car. He played Sinatra, you know, uh, pictures of Sinatra at the house. We had all the albums and all this stuff. Now, on my mother's side... Um, she basically fed me rock and roll in utero.
0: I thought you were going to say she fed you Jack Daniels. (laughs) That would have been awesome. That would have been.
1: And... when we hang up the, uh, the uh, interview here, maybe we can <laughs> talk about that. But no. She, well, uh, do,
0: back in the day, they would do the, yeah. hey, he's being where yeah. crying. Put a little whiskey on his, yeah. a oh, yeah. whiskey on his lips. Could you imagine now? Right. like They couldn't get child services over quick enough. Yeah, so they were like, all right, ache, here we go. Right? What, I just gave him some Jack Daniels. Quiet him up. Exactly.
1: Right, <laughs> no, but she, you know, rock and roll was her thing. And, and from the early, she had this giant um, chest of records. And, you know, once I discovered music, I would go in there and I remember pulling out Led Zeppelin 4, like oh, randomly, okay. put it on her, her record player, and of course, you know, at some point it hit Stairway to Heaven. And, <laughs> you know, I was, I was smitten. And oh my God. I was like obsessed. I, I, I can't say it was, I still am obsessed with Zeppelin. Um, but the, uh, you know, those worlds both meet at Jack Daniels, right? Rock and roll, Frank Sinatra. Absolutely. And that put it on my radar. And, you know, when I was 21, I tried it for the first time. Yeah, and sure. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know people from Jack are listening, uh-huh. so I'm going to say. I'm going to stick with 21 and, um, and always drink responsibly. But, you know, the, uh, you know, yeah, it was cool, right? That's what brought me there. Sinatra, rock and roll. But, you know, I'm not 21 anymore. I could go out and have whatever I want. And the whiskey in the bottle always kept me coming back for more because it's, to me, delicious, right? So when you have all of that, you have really good whiskey, you have history, you have this guy who started making and learning how to make whiskey as a kid and grew the brand to where he saw success in his life that his nephews took over. And 150-some years later, all that jack is still being made in this tiny little town of Lynchburg, Tennessee. It goes all over the world, yet it's still touching all of these people in all different facets of life. It's, it's incredible. So it, to me, it is a lifestyle. <laughs>
2: This is Emma from Drinky Time. I'm here with my co-host, Dan Dunn. That's me. And uh, I want to talk to you, Dan, about something. And this is important. The truth is, most of us aren't brushing our teeth right. We're what? not brushing them for long enough, Dan. And we forget to change the brush on time. And the reason is, it's is because brands out there, they're focusing on selling flashy gimmicks rather than better brushing tips but not Quip. Quip. Quip, yes. What's Quip? Well, I'll tell you what makes Quip so different, shall I? Yes. For starters, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes, which I'm really grateful for because I can't afford those ones. And while still packing just the right amount of vibrations to clean our teeth.
0: I love vibrations when I'm cleaning my teeth. There's
2: also a built-in timer, which helps you to clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses, don't get too excited again, that remind you when to switch sides. You know what? I
0: think I heard of Quip. It was on Oprah's O-List, wasn't it? Are you bringing Oprah into this? She's got great teeth. And it was on Time's Best Inventions, and it's the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. And if you can't trust the American Dental Association... Emma. Who
2: can who you can trust?
0: You, tr- you can't trust the British one. Look at their teeth.
2: Stop it, you. You're fine. They don't fall out. No, you're right. Oprah does back this, and they should. And this is a really good product. And apparently, we might get some. But uh, plus, they're backed by a network of over twenty thousand dentists and hygienists, and hundreds of thousands of happy brushes use Quip every day. Every day. Quip starts at just twenty five
0: dollars, and if you go to get Quip, that's q u i p dot com, getquip dot com slash drinky d r i n k y right now. You'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Emma, can I repeat it? That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com drinky. Yes. Let me, let me quickly ask you one thing. Touch on what you just said. What if, you're talking about, you or how you you like the flavor of Jack? Just people, there are some people out here listening that might not know this. First off, Jack Daniels is not bourbon. Correct. okay? So tell people what it is that because a lot of people you'll, you'll go in a bar and someone will say, "Hey, let me get it. You want to get your bourbon? Yeah, well, I'll just give me a Jack Daniels." And right. It's like, no, it's not. So why it's close? It's it's yeah. a kissing cousin. Yes. But tell tell people out there why Jack Daniels is not. It's a Tennessee whiskey, and why it can't be called a bourbon.
1: Right. So. You know, Jack starts out as bourbon. By law, Jack is made exactly like bourbon—51%
0: corn in right. the mash. It's got to be aged in new, char, Chared, uh, charred white oak white, barrels. White, white oak barrels. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, it has to be made in America, yep. right? Um, there's all these proofing laws, right? You can't distill past 160. You yep. can't go in the barrel past 125. You got to be at least 80 proof in the bottle. So when they say,
0: when he's saying that, I mean, when he says. Can't go in the barrel. So it's 125% alcohol, right? We're obviously not going to sell it like that, but it's going to be, they're going to add some water, they're going right. to bring the proof down ultimately to what goes into the bottle, which is Jack's what, 80 proof, right? Jack's 80. Yeah. 80 proof, yeah. So uh, anyway, go ahead.
1: So by law, we follow all these rules of making bourbon, okay? Now, by U.S. law, Tennessee whiskey is only defined as bourbon, straight bourbon made in Tennessee. Now, we all know that just making it in a different state doesn't change anything. Sure. The real thing is the Tennessee law, which is Jack Daniels, any Tennessee whiskey must touch some form of sugar maple charcoal. Okay? Ooh. And that's the big difference. Now, you literally could take a piece of briquette from Home Depot and you buy a bag of charcoal, yeah. dump new make whiskey made in Tennessee over that briquette and age it and call it Tennessee whiskey. And that's really going to change nothing about it. At Jack Daniel and how Jack learned and how it's traditionally been made and still made, we hand-make charcoal at the distillery. We take sugar maple trees, like think about like two-by-fours, set up like a giant Jenga board, and we spray new-make 140-proof Jack Daniels on that wood, Mm. light it on fire. There's three guys at the distillery. That's their only job (laughs) is to make this charcoal. Wow. And it burns for about three hours, and they put it out, And at that point, that wood is now 99 point something percent pure carbon. They grind it up. They hard pack it into 10-foot vats. And they literally bring in new make Jack Daniels through like a a sprinkler-looking system, and it drips out of this sprinkler onto the charcoal, drop by drop, not flooding it, drop by drop. Takes about two to three days to get to the bottom of this 10-foot vat of charcoal. And at that point, when you put that in the barrel, you're now making Tennessee whiskey. Now, Charcoal adds zero color. All the color comes from the barrel. Adds zero flavor. So what is this magical charcoal mellowing, right? Yeah. It's the scientific term. It, it's a taker aware of things, right? It's science. Congeners. A- <laughs> okay. yeah. So it's, you know, think, it, it pulls, you know, uh, American bourbon and Tennessee whiskey have to be at least 51% corn. Jack is 80% corn in the grain bill, right, and what makes up Jack Daniels. So it's a high-corn whiskey. By charcoal mellowing it, it's pulling out a lot of that corn aroma and a lot of that corn flavor. Okay? Now, a simpler way to describe it Dan and I both happen to be from Philadelphia, where it's the home of the world champion Philadelphia Eagles. All right? Oh, Jesus.
0: (laughs) Crowd loves the Eagles here. Yes, they do.
2: Apparently, you guys are mean. I heard you're mean.
1: (laughs) We're only mean when we lose. That's right. (laughs) But so, think about a football team, right? You have this great, powerful um, quarterback, Carson Wentz, and he, he brings a lot to the, the whole team of all the different ingredients of that team. Now, you pull Carson Wentz out of that picture, and that allows for someone else to shine to be the star Nick Foles. Yes. Right? Now, Bourbon, Tennessee, not, nothing's better or worse, just different. So, Carson Wentz is different than Nick Foles. But when you take Carson Wentz out of the team, and you put Nick Foles in the team; he shines a different thing. And then you win the Super Bowl. I love that right? you. <laughs> I love the,
0: By the way, he doesn't give a shit about that too. He just <laughs> wanted to mention the Eagles. And that's what I love about it. Yes, there we go. Let's. So, get it.
1: <laughs> but now back to Jack Daniel and how this all relates to football and the World Champion Philadelphia Eagles. Um, <laughs> you know, you when you're pulling out some of that corn aroma and that corn flavor, you're allowing for something else to shine. In Jack Daniel's, what's shining? The barrel right? And our yeast. Those are the two big flavors. Barrels account for, depending on what distiller you ask, 50, 60, sometimes people say 70% of the flavor, right? Barrels charred new white American oak, there's a lot of natural sugars in that wood. So when you toast that wood and then you char that wood, like a marshmallow, right? A plain marshmallow is way different than a toasted marshmallow, right? So there's new flavors that come in there. Those flavors are, are more pronounced in Jack Daniel because we're pulling out some of those corn flavors, yeah. right? So for me, as a, a, uh, someone that worked in bars for years and years, it's amazing because it has these nuances that you don't find in these, some of these bigger, bolder bourbons that, you know, we all love them too, but now you have a different flavor profile. So when you say before, there's all these new different whiskeys, there's this, there's that, what's more exciting to me is, all right, if these 10 whiskeys taste very similar— that's not that fun for a bartender. So let me pull the one that's this and make this drink. Let me pull the one that's that and make this drink. And now I have Jack Daniel, right? Jack you know. Daniel's whiskey. And it has unique flavors. And a lot of those notes, like we were talking about, and I don't like to tell people what they taste in whiskey. I like them to tell me what... what.
0: I, was just gonna, I was actually going to ask you that. Is that. Not to tell them what they're tasting, but if you had to describe if somebody who's never had whiskey in their life, right. and you got... You got 20 seconds to describe the Jack Daniel's flavor profile. What would you say it tastes like?
1: First, I would say take a glass of Jack Daniel's hey yourself. Hey, now. <laughs> there we go. I like <laughs> which we have just right like here. now, you're t- we right? All shots of Magic. Jack Daniel's in yeah. front of us. And, you know, I would say taste it yourself and tell me what what you taste and then we can talk about what's what's there because everyone's palate's different, right? Yeah. So and I always tell people whatever you think you're tasting, you're tasting. Yeah. You know, we all have different um Different palates. So, think, you know, there's, there are going to be some unique, I mean, not unique, some commonalities in whiskeys, American whiskeys, right? They're all Asian oak. They all have corn in them. They all, you know, yada, yada, yada. So there will be some commonalities. But the good part of it, you know, they're all a little bit different. And that's why we can enjoy lots of different whiskeys. So let's take a little <coughs> sip. Here we Just,
2: go. Is this the number seven?
1: Yes, yeah, old number seven. Old
0: number seven.
1: Here
2: Cheers. we go. Mr. Bo, get in there.
1: Jack's Whiskey, Sinatra's Whiskey, Rock and roll. Whiskey. We're sipping this or shooting this? We're going to sip it.
2: Yeah. It's, go. Goodness, it's barely lunchtime, Dan.
1: There it is. Yeah, Jack Daniels. That's Jack Daniels. <laughs> so, any flavor, like smell it, any flavors come to mind?
2: Emma? Well, um, yeah, I always say caramels and things, and I don't know if that, the color throws me off, but yeah, it is. I always feel like they're a vanilla caramels. Yeah.
1: And that's those are the ones that are, are pretty common amongst a lot of whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what I might notice about Jack, and if we had some different expressions here, we can compare expressions. Right? There it is. <laughs> there's your favorite that's word. Right. So when, when he, when he, when,
0: by the way, when Et's saying expressions, what he's talking about is you know brands, It's there's different kinds. There's right. a, you know, you got the double, uh, the double black. Right, the, the, no, we the, have
1: we have uh, know, our single barrels. Right. Scratch that different yeah. brand. Uh, the single <laughs> <laughs> barrels. We do have a double Gold barrel whiskey. You do have a double barrel. Gold Twenty Seven. Yeah. yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, okay. um, which is available in Tennessee right now. Um, okay. But the. We have the single barrel. We have Gentleman Jack, which is a double mellowed whiskey. So we mellow it through that 10 feet of sugar maple charcoal and before we age it. And then they give us some uh, weed. Right. <laughs> so they get it high. And a bag of Fritos, right? <laughs> and uh, It's
0: like, dude, you are so fucking chill. You're so mellow. <laughs> you are but, so mellow. You
1: know, after it goes in the barrel, we put it through a smaller, um, smaller charcoal mellowing, and it just kind of softens it up so a lot of times in whiskey sometimes you'll feel it in the back of your throat right yeah. that on the end of I the feel sip it. right yeah. mm-hmm. and gentleman jack you don't feel that it was made to be very approachable and very light and very um uh, you know a whiskey that is a different flavor profile people always say oh if jack if you think jack's so great why do you make all these different expressions hmm. and it's like you know we're all different so we're trying so. to make money <laughs> I mean, oh, should I say
0: that out loud? Yeah, no. But, That's you know, part we, of it, uh, certainly. Yeah, it's know, a business, for but sure. Jack, Jack Daniels fans, you put out a new product, they're, they can't, they're scrambling to get it.
1: Right, you know? but it's not just putting out the product, it's what are we putting out. So when you put yeah. out single barrel at 94 proof, aged a little bit longer than Jack, comes from the high floors of the barrel house, you're going to get a bigger, bolder whiskey. And some yeah. people are looking for that. And then Gentleman Jack, it's lighter and more approachable to someone that might be a new whiskey drinker or someone looking for a different style of whiskey. So it's all there.
0: Let me ask you a question. Yes. Do you believe, because you were just drinking the Jack Need here, there are different types of impact. I've heard people talking about this, and I've talked about it many years. Different ways that different types of alcohol affect you. Is a Jack Daniels buzz going to be different than a gin buzz? Is it? it or let me just do this. How does tequila affect you? You drink tequila. Well, what does it
1: do to your mood? Tequila is the one thing that's a little bit different than all other alcohols. Okay. Tequila, I feel like is... is. I don't think I feel like. I think it is more of an upper alcohol, right?
0: We were right at dinner last night. Emma was asking for a drink to pick her up, and the bartender said something with tequila in it. Right. Now, is that is there any science behind that, or I is believe, it just a mental thing?
1: I don't, I'm not a tequila guy, so to speak, but I think there is a little bit of science behind that. Um, but... When you talk about, people say, oh, I got so drunk last night, I, I can't do brown liquor, right? <laughs> well, what did you drink? And then they say something that was super sugary and sweet. I'm like, well, that was your problem. When you yeah. have drinks full of sugar, and many of them, that's where that hangover comes from. Like shit. If you yeah. drink neat or on the rocks, you're not adding. like When you distill spirits, there's no sugar in there anymore, right? Yeah. There's no carbs, there's none of that. It's, it's, and it's not unique to whiskey, it's vodka, it's gin, it's all those things. Yeah. Right. So when you add it back in, that's where your problems are going to come from. Absolutely. So and, and when
0: it's real simple, this is the math, okay? If you're drinking a an 80-proof alcohol and you drink the equal amount of 80-proof alcohol of any different type of... It's right. going to... You're drink You are the ex- exact same level of drunk, okay? It's like alcohol level is alcohol. The percentage of alcohol is alcohol. That's how much... Like you said, when you start adding in all that other stuff, that's when the shitty right. crappiness comes in. And,
1: you know, and you know look... It, just like a great cocktail needs balance, when you go out and drink, you need balance, right? Absolutely. So, if you're going to go out and, and drink irresponsibly, you're not going to feel great in the morning. If you're going to go out and drink responsibly, like my as Are I you get listening older, producer Bo, you okay. know, He's worried about as a, as a as a twenty plus year bartender, I would just say for every drink, drink a glass of water. You know, that excellent.
0: Would, advice. Do you have a hangover cure at night? Do you do the pills? We've been taking the. Hangover pills.
1: Then. What B twelve?
0: Thrive. Nope. It's called Thrive. Thrive,
2: and it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, Thrive.
2: And uh, we've got to get those guys. I don't know what's show. in
0: it, but it, I'm telling you, man. Like I never really went for these hangover right. cures. I've been taking them. Emma, Emma gave me a you bottle. You looked at the ingredients. Uh, I think there's cocaine in it, uh,
1: <laughs> and there's some Molly Thrive. in there. Thrive. I'm telling Thrive. you
0: what. Every morning I wake up, I'm just like, "Woo! This stuff's great." Yeah, it's just straight Molly. <laughs> um, no, I don't know what's in it. I probably should, right?
1: Hey, if it works, it works. But, you know, I think hydrating, obviously, is a key.
0: especially in New Orleans. Yes. Jesus
1: Christ. So, you know, look, it's, it's, we all have fun and it's all good. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, things you don't want about being in these environments and just, to me, it's to be responsible, you know, and, and have balance when you're out, you know, just know your limits. Some people, you know, two drinks, like my wife, two drinks and she's pretty much good to go, right? She's not, she's not. Uh, It's just he's not professional, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you she's, know, whereas, whereas Dan is. Dunn, well, two drinks. I can be honest, is, Emma,
0: <laughs> Emma can hang. Like, Emma can hang. Like, uh, there's never ever been a time, well, don't, especially don't. on this trip, where we've been out and it's like, oh, Emma's done. In fact, I've probably been the bigger, you've uh, been more
2: donor for sure.
0: I've been, they're like even la- you know last night they're like let's go out for more drinks. And I'm like tired, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> it wears me out. Now I want to touch on one other thing because we're actually going to be doing another show talking about this. But um, the news came recently and it was brought out that that uh, there was a uncle nearest. Okay? Yes, uncle nearest. So uh, F- a woman uh, by the name of Fawn Weaver wrote this piece, I think, for the New York Times. Right? Did she? No.
1: Like- so. A piece came out in the New York Times. So um, Jack Daniel, as a little kid, um, one of ten kids. Yeah. uh, His mom passed away when he was very young, and his dad remarried. You know, like a lot of kids didn't really dig his stepmom. So when he was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, he hit the road. And a few miles down away from where he lived was the Call family. Dan Call and his wife, their two daughters. And he went and worked and lived with the Call family. Dan was a Lutheran minister. And turns out Dan also had a whiskey still. And the guy that ran that whiskey still for Dan Call was an enslaved man at the time named Nearest Green. And Dan Call, um, when I got trained, Nearest Green was part of my training. And, and that whole story, there's a book that came out in the 60s um, called Jack Daniel's Legacy. which talks all about Near Screen And Dan in that book is quoted as saying, Nearest Green is the best distiller he's ever seen. And he basically tasked... Nearest Green with teaching young Jack Daniel how to make whiskey hmm, and nice. when slavery ended Near stayed, made the whiskey and then unfortunately for Dan Call, his wife kind of put her foot down and said I don't really love the fact that my husband's a man of God and makes whiskey so pick one you know, uh, either make whiskey or and don't have a wife or have a wife so for and some reason the he The Snake song started
0: Here I go again <laughs> yeah. on my I still
1: don't know. Right. Who did uh, he pick? What did he pick? He he what did he do? Yeah. He, uh, he chose Happy Wife, Happy Life. Okay. And he sold his still to young Jack Daniel. And Jack hired Nearest Green. And he um, was the first head distiller. There's no master siller titles back in the day. But yeah. Nearest Green was the first head distiller of Jack Daniels. And then Jack um, heard about this source of water a little bit away from the call farm. Went and checked it out. It was this cave of, of um, you know, limestone cave of iron-free water, great for making whiskey. And he put his still in front of that cave, rented the land, and eventually bought that land. Now, Nearest was a little bit older at this point and decided not to go with Jack. Stayed on the call farm and lived out his life. But his two sons came with Jack as employees. And I'm pretty sure to this day there's never been a moment where someone from the Green family has not worked at the distillery. It's amazing. And so Fawn read that story in the New York times and went fawn weaver and went down to the distillery. I believe you're going to meet her so you can ask yeah. for all the details, but really wanted to do some research and find out what, you know, it's a pretty cool thing that an African American person taught Jack Daniel how to make whiskey. Right. So yeah. she went and tried to do a bunch of research. There wasn't a lot available and she dug real deep and found some really cool stuff. And some of the really cool stuff is that she always talks about how much she found out that Jack Daniel was a great guy paid Nearest Green for what he did, not who he was. Not who he right? was. Right? And for 1800s, South Tennessee, you know, like that's crazy talk. Oh, and, yeah. you know, apparently Jack really... And, you know, we t- talked about Sinatra earlier and we talked about the similarities between Jack and Frank and one of them was they were just very willing to help people in need. Sure. And Jack was not, um, you know, a person that, that got successful and shunned the world. He shared that success. And if someone did a good job for him, he paid them the wage they deserved. And, you know, it's, it's really cool that she's uncovered some stuff because I think we thought, you know, the story had been written a long time ago mm-hmm. and here's near a screen. and then she dug really deep and found some other stuff. And, you know, one thing we probably should have thought of ourselves during Prohibition in Tennessee before U.S. Prohibition hit, Jack's nephew, who had taken over the distillery at this point, Jack had passed, went and set up shop in St. Louis and tried to re- duplicate the magic of Jack Dannen, but couldn't do it because the water was different. The Everything yeah. was different. And some of the Greens went with them. And then when uh, Lem Motlow came back to Lynchburg, some of the Greens stayed. So there's another f- Le- arm of that family that we probably didn't know existed. Yeah. And By the she- way,
0: President Trump just now tweeted... <laughs> That there was no collusion between Nearest Green and Jack Daniels. so he's <laughs> he's calling you out. And I think he said might be throwing some red meat to the base there, but he's saying no, this is bullshit. I'm just saying it's up there. Um, so, Et, you are you're heading back to LA, yeah? And then how I, you're, you, you, How where do you go? You like all over the world, spreading the message uh, of Jack Daniels? Yeah. I mean, I'll I know be. you're the
1: national ambassador here, but do you go internationally? Well, uh, Monday I'll be in Canada. Spreading the uh, the Jack Daniel's our, love. Our
0: fifty first state. Yes, yes. yes. Where are you in Canada?
1: Uh, I will be in Toronto and Calgary. Oh, nice. Wow. And um, and then I come back for a minute, and then New York and Oklahoma <laughs> and all over. But yeah, it's great. You know, for me, it's it's literally a dream job to get to travel the country and talk about Sinatra and rock and roll and history and 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 a kid who learned how to make whiskey when he was not even ten years old yet, and you know. Started a little business as a teenager, and you know, I I think if Jack was here today and knew that his whiskey was as big as it is and sold in over one hundred seventy countries, he'd be really proud. But I think he'd be more proud of the fact that it's made the same way he made it way back in the day. You know, all the processes are owned by the distillery. There is nothing we don't um, do anything that Jack wouldn't have approved of. You know, it's it's a traditional way to make whiskey, and we could do things cheaper and faster. But the reason they don't do it is. One, it's not traditional. It's not the way to do it. It's definitely not the way Jack did it. And a lot of what the answer is at the distillery, when you're like, oh, why do you do that when you could just do this? And like, that's not what Jack did. Yeah. And, you know, it's... it's There's no reason for a brand as big as Jack to cut a corner, right? It's It's so much more important to hold on. There's so, you know lines get so muddled in, in with the internet and things get fast and this and loose and, you know, to go back to Lynchburg and watch these guys and girls making this whiskey and, and doing it the way Jack made it and using um, old school techniques like burning this charcoal yourself and we make our own yeast, you know, we don't outsource that and yeast is a big flavor flavoring uh, component to whiskey and to watch that propagate in little test tubes and grow big enough to, you know, be part of our process, it's crazy. It's just it's mind boggling and it's endearing and it's, it's all those things. And it's something that I'd never felt that connection when I see not just other alcohol brands, but it's so rare to see that in any brand, you sure. know, because it's, we want everything now mm-hmm. and whiskey can't be made now. You know, people try to, to mess around with process, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to put that whiskey in the barrel, put it up on the shelf, and wait years.
0: If people want to come down and visit Jack Daniels, will they just go to the website? Is it? Yeah, you how, can, how does that work with uh, tours and things?
1: Yeah, so we do tours um, all the time, and you go to the website, and you can read about all the different types of tours, whether it's a tasting tour, a dry tour. Um, uh, I think there's a tour with lunch included, and it's it's gets some real good southern food, and you just go sign up and, and head down. It's really an hour, 10 minutes, hour, 15 minutes from Nashville. And it's, okay. it's it's definitely something that if you have any interest in whiskey at all, and definitely if you have interest in Jack Daniels, it should be checked off your list at some point.
0: And right now we're offering a special offer. If you go to Jack Daniels, <laughs> you tell them that ET sent you 10% off.
1: <laughs> yeah, see how that works out for you when you get there. There's <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> a disclaimer here that's not true. Um, I, you know what? In the, my, my friend Neil Everett on SportsCenter loves to say, Bartender, Jack! So raise this up a little cheers, toast nice. so here we go let's cheers to that cheers. uh we gotta put this man on a flight out of here too. um eric Tikoski, et you can find him on the social media on the social media yeah, yeah what, what yeah, do you yeah. got what do you got what is it
1: on the uh instagram it's super hype super hype
0: is that your isn't that your uh, rockabilly band
1: no, it's I uh, mentioned earlier with my obsession for Led Zeppelin, that was their publishing company, Super, Super Hype. Hype. All right, there so, you go. Find since one. I can't Hard sing or play instruments, I figured if I just steal their That'll something do. from their their <laughs> past and put it on me, I'm a little bit closer to who they are. You know yeah. what I
0: mean? Uh, and, of course, you can find us at Drinky Fun Time,
1: right? Everywhere. Winging
0: it with Emma. If you like chicken wings, Always go on trying there. trying to plug she my wings.
2: the chicken wings. Still got twen- 200 solid followers. <laughs> Uh, Bell, a very loyal folk um,
0: <laughs> so I want to thank uh, where are we What's this Seaworthy Seaworthy. Hotel. It's Seaworthy at the Ace Hotel a lovely place if you're going to come down here Great uh, Oysters Great Oysters do they have Great Oysters oh yeah did you great have Great Cocktails or did you
2: have the Oysters I was, or I've been told twice since I got here I've though. eaten uh, here oh, they okay. have great, great Oysters maybe we'll Fantastic. get some Oysters
0: yeah. um, and producer Bo as always and of course Eric Takoski, Jack Daniels, I want to thank Frank Sinatra, yeah. I wanna thank Slash and <laughs> Keith Richards and Janice Joplin and everybody who's ever drank Jack Daniels and made it cool. When it goes, ooh, ooh, don't you feel bad, it It's a cool show.